Hello, and welcome to the One Church podcast. This message was recorded for our online service. We're not meeting at our church buildings at the moment, so tune in live this Sunday for our next online service by going to weareone.church or finding us on Facebook. So good. Thank you, team, for leading us in that song. What powerful words to be singing over ourselves, over our families, over our church family, over our communities today. So, so important. Please don't forget who God is. And in fact, that gives a real great kind of setup for this message today, uh, which I'm calling the questioning Christian, the questioning Christian. I'm going to start by reading a passage from John chapter 4. So if you actually have a Bible handy, why not flick that open to John chapter 4? If you've got an app on your phone, maybe you can open it there to John chapter 4. We're going to read a, uh, a little bit of an account of Jesus meeting someone. But I am wholeheartedly believing that in this short time that we just share, opening the word together, that the results of this and the fruit of this little time together is that we get a whole new transformational revelation of who Jesus is for us today. Now, it feels like a big ask, but thankfully, the emphasis isn't on me to do that, but it's on God and his spirit to speak to you through his word. So with that in mind, uh, let's read this then. I'm going to read John chapter 4, and I'm going to start at verse 7, and it's called Jesus Talks with a Samaritan Woman. It says this, uh, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And then very helpfully, get some brackets, his disciples had gone into town to buy some food. Verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. So you've got this kind of like interaction that's going on here. Now we don't really know the full context of this unless you've kind of done your digging, but I'll bring you into that in just a moment. So she asked him, Jesus, how can you ask me for a drink for Jews do not associate with Samaritans? Okay, verse 10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself and as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. It goes on a little bit longer and there's a bit more of an interaction. Jesus really reveals something about the woman and she has it's all this conversation, this backwards and forwards, this interaction between the two leads up to these last two verses I'm going to read here, 25 and 26. And the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming and when he comes he will explain everything to us and Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. This interaction starts with a really simple question where she says to him, how can you ask me for a drink? And it starts with that simple question, but it finishes with this brand new transformational revelatory moment where she goes, wow, I've just come face to face 
with the Messiah, with Christ himself. It starts with a really simple question that begins a conversation, a a backwards and forwards, a to and fro of more questions. He asks her, she asks him, and it ends up with this brand new transformational revelation of who Christ is. I want to ask, like, when did we stop asking so many questions? When did we give up on just asking questions? Because if we all went through a phase where we went, why? Why? And then your parent would respond with an answer, and then we'd go, yeah, but why? Because of this. Why? Because of this. And as parents, we have to learn tricks to shut that down quickly. Maybe that's why we don't ask so many questions now. Because we're like, I've, I've found that if I respond back, I, I can find, I can, I, there's certain ways to answer that question where you close the loop and they go into a cul-de-sac and they can't ask any more why questions. I'll, I'll let you know that secret when I write a book about it. Um, but we all went through that phase of asking questions after questions. When did we give up on those questions? When did we give up on that? Now, I remember in, in year eight, which was just 10 years ago. And uh, I was in physics in year eight. And I remember so clearly, Mr. Yates was our teacher. And he was one of those really super annoying teachers, not because he was mean, not because he was strict, but he would never answer your question. Whenever you asked him a question, he would always respond with another question. I remember doing this experiment, and it was all about learning about what kept things warm, so it was about you know, keeping thermal things and all that kind of stuff, and I had these two experiments going on, and we were meant to work out which things kept the hot water the hottest, the longest, and I remember just asking question after question. I just wanted him to give me the answer whether the rugby sock was going to keep it warmer or the tinfoil was going to keep it warmer, and he just would not answer my question. You know what he did every time? Answered my question with just another question. Now, I do know there's a certain section of people in our church that have been through our internship here, and you're going, John, that's you. You're the annoying teacher that also does exactly the same thing, and it's true because Mr. Yates taught me that was actually the best way to teach. Don't just give people the answers. Coach them through more questioning to grow them. And I think this might be something that we've lost. If we've lost the art of asking good questions, I worry that we've stopped growing and that we've stopped learning when clearly this was something that Jesus loved to do. In fact, let me tell you this, Jesus asks loads of questions. In fact, he asks 307 questions across the Gospels. He asks over 300 questions he asks, and he's asked of him 183. That's a lot of content of our Gospels, which is just either Jesus asking questions or people asking questions of him. I wonder what this is meant to be revealing to us as people that are trying to live our lives, growing in our discipleship and following the way of Christ, following Jesus. Interestingly, some, uh, some will say he only answers three questions directly. So of all the questions, there's 183 questions he's asked, he only actually gives a direct answer three times. What does he do the rest of the time? He, he develops the conversation further. He asks back with more questions. He meets the woman at the well. He asks for a drink. She begins the conversation by saying, how can you ask me for a drink? And he replies with more questions. And there's another question. And there's another question. And because of that, we get through these seri- this conversation that ends with this brand new transformational revelation of Christ. So I want to tell you this. 
and if you're into tongue twisters, here's a big test for you, and you can try and say this out loud, and if you manage to say this out loud first time, type it in the comments and let us know. Because I want you to know this, that a questioning Christian will unquestionably grow. That sounds like a vocal warm-up, doesn't it? A questioning Christian will unquestionably grow. Come on, say it out loud, somebody, wherever you're watching right now. A questioning Christian will unquestionably grow. If you nailed that first time, then you did better than I did, because when I wrote it, it looked good. When I said it out loud, it was a struggle. But I want, to hear, I want you to hear this. A questioning Christian will unquestionably grow. We engage with Christ in our conversation, in our questioning, and he responds with more. And, and it comes this backwards and forwards, this step, this rhythm, this relationship that begins with these questions. We don't just learn by answers, do we? But by following the breadcrumbs of the questions that God stirs in our heart. And what are you doing with the questions that God is stirring in your heart right now? What are you doing with those? We've all been asking similar questions this year, haven't we? Think, I've wrote a few down, like, who's my community? When we've been locked down, who are the people that I can rely on? If I've been shielding, who are the people that can help me out? What's my, uh, what's my church community for? What's my, uh, who's my, who are the people that I can rely on at the moment? Who's standing with me? Who's cheering me on? Who's encouraging me? Who's keeping me going? Uh, we've asked questions like this. Does going to church online still count as going to church? Who knows? If you're chopping carrots right now for your Sunday roast while listening to me, does that count as going to church? Because you probably wouldn't bring carrots on a chopping board and sit on the fourth row. But something about being at home changes the dynamics. Does it count? I, I don't know. But it's a good question. I, I, think, it, I think it counts. Um, without a church service, how on earth do I use my gifts? Are you sat at home with a fake mixing desk right now going, oh, I just need to change that level just a little bit, just so work that one out? If you kind of like muted Amy and Holly on that last video and you've got your own, music, your own musicians at home and you're kind of like, this is where, this is where I'm going to do it. Like, where do I use my gifts now? I don't have a church service. We're asking these questions. What even is a Christian anymore? If you grew up going to church, you probably heard this little bumper sticker cliche that went, said something like, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a cheeseburger. And we all knew that. I think we all believed that until we stopped going to church. And now we're asking the question again, we're going, wow, what's, what even makes me a Christian nowadays? And loads of you have been asking that question. I've heard you ask that, and we've had conversations about that, and We're asking these big questions, but I want to encourage you today. Don't ignore these questions. Don't run from these questions. Ask these questions. Ask them of Jesus. This is what it means to be in relationship with him right now. Ask them of him. Say, Jesus, what makes me a Christian right now? Jesus, how do I use these gifts that I have? You can ask these in your prayer. Ask them in your heart. Maybe a great place to ask them is when you turn up at work tomorrow morning. And ask this question, ask yourself, like, what, what makes me a Christian today? And don't be surprised if what you get back isn't a, well, let me give you a short PowerPoint presentation and three points about what makes you a Christian today. I'll tell you what's going to happen, you'll get a question back, because that's the pattern that Jesus shows us. He goes, well, what, what, do you think, what do you think makes you a Christian today? You don't have a church today, but you do have a family today. What makes you a Christian in your family today? 
Or maybe like a question back as you walk in through your office doors tomorrow or into your first Zoom call of, of 20 tomorrow. Uh, or whenever you are back into your, into your working environment or maybe in your uni halls tomorrow. Maybe like, what makes me a Christian today? Maybe the answer back is, well, what would your colleagues say? Or what would your classmates say if I asked them what makes you a Christian today? And, and maybe with these questions start to engage us into a whole new area of growth and development because questioning Christian will unquestionably grow and he guides us and steers us and meets us where we're at maybe next time you're walking home and you're asking yourself what even is my church today is a youtube channel or a facebook page really a church and maybe that inner voice will come back with another question saying something like well who do you worship with who are you generous to who are you loving and showing kindness to how are you showing inclusivity how are you sharing the gospel There's your church. There's your church. And maybe God is leading us to some great and fantastic new adventures of faith that are just a few questions away from us engaging and wrestling with something that brings us to something new. You know, if we didn't have some of these questions that Jesus was asked and some of the questions that Jesus asked of others, we wouldn't have stories like the the Good Samaritan, the parable of the Good Samaritan, where that groundbreaking, borders-breaking, division-shattering story, which is against uh, coming alongside someone that's from a different background, in fact, from a a totally different race, which in, in that time was a hated race, and that being the person, the Good Samaritan was the one who broke down those devices to come and help and bring kindness. That story came out of somebody who brought questions to Jesus and said, like, how am I supposed to live? What's the, what is the most important commandment? And, and Jesus begins to, to engage with this man and, and tells him this story of, of the parable. And then there's more questions that says, like, so what's the most important law? What's the most important thing for us to do? And he tells a story and then says, well, well now you tell me, who's, who's the person that loves his neighbour the most? You see, this question pushed straight back into that man's world and forced him to a new place, a new revelation of how the love of God can be shown to somebody. You know, the, the, the story that we're reading today, this in John chapter 4, this, I haven't even got time to go into some of this context, but the, there's so much going on just in here. The fact that it tells us that it's the Samaritan woman is huge. Samaritans and Jews hated one another. We talked about this in our Vivla Revolution series earlier this year. Two races, two, uh, two regions which were completely at odds. And it says he has to, he goes, Jesus chooses to go through that region. Most Jews chose to go around that entire region just to avoid it, just to avoid coming into contact with people. They never spoke to Samaritans. They definitely didn't share a drink with a Samaritan. And on top of that, it tells us, a Samaritan woman. Who is this woman? What is she doing drawing water in the middle of the day when culturally that would normally be the first thing in the morning or the last thing at night? But do you know what? All these barriers were broken down because something new was about to take place. Jesus was cutting a new path to bring her to a new place of revelation and transformation where she finds acceptance, where she finds grace, where she finds forgiveness, where she finds a fresh start, where, where whatever's going on in her community and society that, that some of this chapter lets us know that she's on the fringes, she's on the outside. That's why she's drawing water maybe in the middle of the day. She's not welcome there with the other women in the morning or in the evening, but she's the one that Jesus engages. She asks him a question and it leads to This beautiful encounter and exchange that ends with this complete transformation. I know this is hard. 
I know this is hard because what we all long for the most is answers. Now, I love, I love coming up with good answers. I love things like studying things like apologetics, which is the, the study of some of this stuff that helps bring meaningful, faith-filled and logical answers to some of the big questions. But have you ever noticed this? Like, answers just don't last long enough. In fact, an answer just doesn't do it all the way. You know, I do believe that the way of Christ guides us to all truth. I do believe Jesus says he is the way and the truth and the life. I believe that the spirit of truth guides us to all truth. Jesus told us that. But if we're just looking for answers, tell me if you've found this, that an answer only remains an answer until a new experience makes space for another question. Then an answer only remains an answer until a new experience makes space for another question. You know like one of those sliding puzzles where you kind of feel like you've got something in place and then in doing so you've just created another gap. I think that's a great picture of life. As soon as we feel like we've got one answer, we slide the piece and it just creates another space. And if we become too fixed on answers, we'll forget what the questions are leading to. Maybe you've got some great answers lined up. And I want you to picture this. I want you to picture the, these mo- where we, we have these great answers to some of the big questions that we have. And these answers come with a great big fat exclamation mark. A great big exclamation mark. This exclamation mark shows this is the answer that I've got to that big question. Maybe about who you are, what you're about, how the world is, how it is, why we're here, what we're here for. Uh, maybe it's a theological question and bang, there is the exclamation mark of truth. I have found the answer. And this is what happens. We have some kind of real life experience, maybe some pain, maybe some loss, maybe some suffering. Maybe even just a new discovery or some new evidence or something new happens in our life. And what, what, take, what replaces this exclamation mark then is a big question mark. And I wanted to make this really visual for you today because I wanted you to see that even pictorially what we see going on in the shape of these things. Because you start here with this exclamation mark. Let's go to that. You've got this exclamation mark. You start with this. And then something so real happens, it's like bang, it puts a dent in that exclamation mark, and boof, your solid answer is on its haunches, gasping for breath, and what follows it is one big question mark. And we're, we were so sure until we met a real person with a real life experience that told us something otherwise. We were so sure, and now we have a question. This is where I feel feel like Christ teases us in, invites us in. He says, come on, ask me that question. I've got some questions that I want to ask you, but on the other end of this conversation is a new revelation, a new transformation. I want to say, God, let me me bring you my questions. In fact, even better, let me bring, if if you're bold enough, say this, God, let me bring you my exclamation marks. And as the dent comes in the side of it and turns it into a question mark. I'm going to bring these to you because I believe that you're growing me and changing me through this. So let your exclamation mark become a question mark. Jesus told the woman at the well this. He says, everyone that drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, The water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. There is something else going on in all of this. 
that isn't about making sure you've got enough water to get through the day. But in, there's something that was going on all of this of God wanting to deposit something in you that will be like a spring, like a spring of water welling up to eternal life inside of you. And if you want to drink from the well of living water, you've got to drop the bucket. If you want to drink the juice, you've got to squeeze the orange. So together, today, we're going to bring God our questions. Bring God our experiences that have put a big old dent in where we thought we had answers. And instead of letting these push us away from God, let them draw you closer to him. Let them draw you into an engagement with Christ. Where he says, bring me your questions, because I've got a few for you as well. And maybe, just like we read this Samaritan woman, what starts with a simple question draws to you and Christ in to relationship that at the other end of it doesn't leave you feeling condemned, doesn't leave you feeling on the outside, doesn't leave you feel rejected. Instead, makes you feel welcomed and even brings you a revelation like, wow, you are the Christ. You are the way, the truth and the life. And maybe you are showing me the way of Christ for me to follow today. And that's how I am a Christian. That's how I'm a follower of Jesus. And that's how I do these things through this time. So here's the challenge. What question are you asking of Jesus today? And importantly, what question is he asking back? Come on, church, let's follow the breadcrumbs of, that God is stirring in our heart and draw in to something, that, a new place, a new you that Christ is drawing you into. Can I pray for you? Thank you, Jesus, for this incredible story. And I think we could talk for hours about all the different things going on in it, but just by your grace, I pray that just some of these little bits that we've drawn from this would deposit something in our hearts. I pray for those people that are asking big questions right now, because some life experiences have put a big old dent in their exclamation marks. I pray today they would know these questions are growing them, that there's space and grace for these questions, and on the other side of this is transformation and revelation. I pray that we as a church, as a community, that we would be questioning Christians and that we would unquestionably grow as a result of it. In your name, Lord God. Amen. Thank you.